guess what day it is. It's Wednesday, it's Wednesday. Today is Wednesday. Wednesday. It's Best of Adam's Podcast. That's like the coolest thing I ever heard. Hello everybody, Pastor Adam here again. It is Wednesday, it is Pastor Adam's Wednesday devotional podcast thing. Wanted to give you an update. If you've been following me for the past year, year and a half, you know that I have a shoulder issue. And I've complained on numerous occasions that I just wanted to get an MRI. I just, I know something is torn. I know it's messed up. I need it fixed. And uh, the doctors, the insurance, they just refuse to give me an MRI. They're like, you should just go to physical therapy. And the doctor's like, ah, you'll be fine. Rub some dirt on it. He didn't actually say rub some dirt on it, but you know what I mean. And I've been fighting to get this MRI. I finally got the MRI. And this is a year and some change in, right? The MRI said I have a torn labrum. I thought I had torn rotator cuff in my own head. My uh, my Google doctorate failed me. Uh, torn labrum, you know. And um, so then they finally sent me to an orthopedic surgeon to discuss what we're going to do about this. So I had that appointment yesterday. And there were some really good things that came out of it. And one was, so first of all, I get there, I get more x-rays because apparently my doctor's office didn't send the x-rays over. Yeah. And then they uploaded my MRI so that the doctor could have access to it. I sit and wait in the waiting room forever, per usual doctor thing, you know. They want you to just simmer in the room for a while, for some reason. Can we just get a good schedule going? Anyways, um, the doctor finally came in. He asked what the problem was. He checked my range of motion on my shoulder, right? These are all things that have been done like four or five times from other doctors, you know, the physical therapists, the, uh, my general practitioner, all that stuff. And after he did like four or five things with my arm and asked me questions, he goes, I think you have a torn labrum. Uh, we're going to have to do surgery. And I said, yeah, you're right, it is a torn labrum because that's what the MRI says. And he goes, oh, you have an MRI? Okay. This dude didn't even need an MRI. He diagnosed it in five minutes. I've been waiting a year and a half to get this going. He did it in five minutes what it took a year and a half. It's frustrating. And I'm like, Ugh. and he, so then he looked at the MRI and he said, I also have a torn bicep tendon that goes up into the, something like that. So we're going to have to have surgery. He's going to fix my bicep and my leg room. And he says, if I don't do it soon, I'll have arthritis in there. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, medical systems that have gotten me here. Uh, it's, it's frustrating. Now something else happened to the doctor that I thought was pretty awesome and touching. And so I want to share this to you. So he's talking about the surgery. It's not a big deal. He said, it's not a career ender, but it's a season ender. That's what he said. Now, I don't know what season he was thinking that I'm in. Maybe because I said uh, I work out and it hurts, whatever. But I said, well, for the recovery time, he said, I have to have a sling. I go, well, I'm a worship pastor and I play guitar. And he goes, oh, that should be fine. As long as you're not raising your head, hand over your head, which is great news because I don't want to be out for an extended period of time. But in him hearing that I was a worship pastor, he goes, oh, so you're a believer. So are we. And he's talking about him and his nurse that was with him. 
And then he said, can, can we just pray right now? He goes, I'll give you 110% of what I have, but God is the great physician. He's the one that does the healing. I'm going to do the best I can with the skills that he's given me, but we know it's all up to him how this turns out. And then we prayed for a couple minutes and it was like a deep, good prayer that just, you just felt the spirit working, you know, unlike a, let me pray for you real quick, like as a something to do. No, this was intentional and good. And I thought that's never happened to me in my life in, in a doctor's setting. I had another doctor in Illinois who said, um, that, you know, he's similar thing that the, the God is the great healer and that he can only do what it, but he didn't sit there and pray with me. So it was pretty awesome. Pretty good stuff. Uh, silver lining to the cloud that it was the year and a half of trying to get my shoulder fixed. So that's that. I wanted to update you on that because I know you guys were like, hey, you haven't talked about your shoulder in a while. We really need to know. And I'm like, all right, all right I got it for you. Anyways, today we're going to have a bit deeper conversation or a devotional podcast. Last week, I had a little bit of a weird one where, you know, I swore off the Cowboys and was angry and frustrated and a little hurt and disappointed all at the same time. Um, I tried to add some scripture in there to show you where I was coming in, but it wasn't my best. I know it wasn't my best, not by a long shot. So today we're going to get a little further into a real, real live devotion. So let's start with this. One of my favorite shows to watch ever. I love it so much. So does my wife. We watch it together. It's a Netflix show called Love on the Spectrum. And it's about autistic individuals looking for love, going on dates, like mostly for the first time, trying to find a husband or a wife. And I think both... Uh, my wife and I like it because we have a child on the spectrum, but also we both love it because, um, in this world that we live in, you know, full of bad stuff, like, you know, hate, division, anger, darkness, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this show is very uplifting and positive and heartwarming. And that's even when the relationships in this show don't work out. Because, I don't know, there's just a... For me, watching the show, when you watch any kind of reality show, there's still some sort of agenda that's happening in it. And you feel like um, these people on the reality shows are being fed lines and trying to stir up drama. This doesn't seem like there's ever anything like that. Other, It feels like the producers are just rooting for these people as well and trying to do everything they can to help them find love. And the attitude of the people on the show, the, the individuals with autism, they're precious. And, and it's just like a breath of fresh air. And I think we need that with so many people that are, you know, jaded and miserable in this world, you know. And you can't help but fall in love with some of these young adults on the show. For instance, there's a young man... Uh, from the Greenville Clemson area. So not too terribly far from here. Um, that I just, I, I want to jump in the car. I just want to drive up there. Cause I know he works at this hotel. I want to go there and meet him and say, Hey, you are awesome. 
you know, I am privileged to be able to see you on TV because of your positivity, your kindness. Um, he's a real life buddy, the elf. That's his attitude. He, it says in the show that his, his whole goal is to spread cheer and, and happiness throughout the world. And I think that he does that. I think he does it really well. He's just such a great young boy, like just awesome. And he went on a date with uh, this young woman with Down syndrome. And the effort that he put forth in this is like more than anybody I can ever say went on on any date. Like he was trying to make her feel good. He was trying to keep the conversation going. He had like coaching of what to do and say. And he was like retaining it, trying to put it into action. And you could just tell this was serious. He was really trying and um, and it was amazing to see. My wife and I, we root for these people. And we just like watching their journey as they navigate dating because it's it's a something outside of their comfort zone and different for them. And by the way, it's an awkward show too. I mean, the awkwardness of the show, it, it sometimes it penetrates the TV and makes you feel uncomfortable at times. There is a scene on the last episode of season two, which is the latest season, where a man asks his date if he could hold her hand. And then, like, the next mm, 60 seconds, it feels like 10 minutes, by the way, but probably for the next 60 seconds, it's the most awkward moment I've ever had in my life, and I was just watching it. Um, But at the same time, it's not something that you see and you know, would make fun of them for. I mean, unless you're a soulless, evil, despicable person, then you could probably be pretty mean and hurtful. But this show highlights the families as well as, uh, you know, the, um, the individual starring in the show. And it portrays them as people helping their sons and daughters as they prepare for the dates. And it and you see them comfort them when thing comfort them when things aren't going well for them, encouraging them to step out of the comfort zone um, when they when they when their kid feels overwhelmed, which happens a lot. And then there's multiple scenes where there's brother or sister hugging, encouraging, and caring for their autistic brother or sister, and seeing that closeness they have for one another, it just it warms my heart, and I love the love that they have for each other. But it's also kind of hard for me to hold it together. There's many times I'm tearing up during that stuff because it also makes me sad because I really want that for our daughter from her sister, which doesn't seem to always be the case, which is disappointing. Now, like I said, I have a daughter who, by the way, I asked her if I could share this with everybody today, and she said yes. Uh, but she's on the autism spectrum. And this is also kind of hard to talk about um, because, uh, and I also talked to my my wife about what I was going to share today because we don't want anyone to hear this who knows her and treat her any differently or act like there's something wrong with her because I believe, we, we believe that she's wonderfully and beautifully made and, and God created her um, as she is. I love her as she is. I will love her as she is without any question. So saying that, she is very, very high functioning. And if you didn't know her and you just met her, you probably wouldn't think anything about her 
anything different of her or her behavior or different or even on the, the spectrum. You wouldn't think that. I mean, she's definitely different. I'll, I'll give you that. She's, she's definitely a weirdo, but to me, she's different in so many cool and interesting ways that I really enjoy and love. Uh, I actually think the biggest hurdle for her isn't autism at all. It's, it's rather, it's her anxiety that she has. And, and I bring this up for a specific reason. God has been putting her in the lives of some girls who are far from God. One is uh, what we would call an atheist, and the other is someone who literally calls herself a Satanist, which you don't run into a lot of Satanists. I haven't, at least, you know, like that proclaim that they are Satanists. Now, this Lola met this girl at a homeschooling meetup. And this is where she found out the girl being a, being a Satanist. And I was really proud of Lola uh, because when something like that is revealed, it's jarring and scary. It's a scary feeling for her. She's grown up in the church and believes in Jesus. And for someone to follow Satan is well, it's crazy. I mean, if we're honest, it should be crazy for anyone. But she held it together. She played it cool and, and simply said, oh, well... My dad is a pastor and my mom helps out at church. And then, you know, there was conversations and stuff. And Lola tells me all this after the fact, you know, um, things that were said. And it's clearly that they don't really know what they're talking about. But on that way, on the way home, uh, I was able to have a conversation with Lola because she she told me, she's like, Dad, I'm I'm having anxiety about, about meeting her and, and what we were talking about. And, um, and I was like, well, why do you have anxiety about it? And she was, she said she was afraid she'd done something wrong by even speaking to the girl. Like, would God be mad at her? And then as we talked through it and processed it, um, I brought up mission fields. I said, some people think you have to go to other countries and build homes or do this and that to spread the gospel, which is good. And it's a thing that we should do, but we all have mission fields right here in front of us. In our own backyards, our neighborhoods, our jobs, at our schools, in our friends groups. I said, God has made this new friend group her mission field. And I said, she needs to be that light in the darkness. But with Lola, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fear in things. And she responded with, but you know how if I keep talking about Jesus and telling her things, she might start to believe, you know, because we always talk about planting seeds in people and and. We may not see any results right now, but you planted the seed, and so later on in life, um, you know, she will come to faith. All that kind of stuff. She says, you know, if, if she starts to believe, what happens if when she's talking to me about Satan, I start to believe a little? But I said, that's, that's not how it works because you know the truth. We know that there's lies and there's truth, and we are when we are in the truth, we won't be swayed. But I love how she was concerned about being led in the wrong direction and doing the wrong thing. And I like that she's scared to do that because we know from Scripture, um, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which is in Proverbs. So that makes her wise. Um, there's also uh, an instance in that conversation home where we're talking about it. They said to her, there's going to be a time in this friend's life when she might be alone in the in her dark room, feeling sad and empty and hopeless, and she might think, "I wonder why Lola is not feeling this way. What does Lola have that makes her so happy and different?" 
Now you may think you know where I'm going with this devotional, but I don't think you do. Because I'm about to take a turn into unexpected land now. So I've been talking about this conversation and this particular comment that I made. And I said she would ask Lola, ask why Lola seems so happy. I used the word happy. And um, I don't know, that word happy has been sticking with me since that conversation. Because, in all honesty, I have a hard time believing Lola is truly happy. I don't think she's happy. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in her life that make it hard to be happy. She has often has paralyzing anxiety. She's worried about that anxiety, which leads her to more anxiety. She has stomach problems, uh, which again leads to more anxiety, which leads to more stomach problems and stomach aches and headaches. And it's a constant cycle that we have to try to break over and over again. And when she's feeling okay and we, we leave the house and goes out, she is very fearful, high strung. She holds on to my hand very tightly and is like so tense. She jumps at any noise that happens or unexpected occurrence. It's just a real, she's on high alert all the time. But all that to say, I have a daughter that has a lot going on. A lot of obstacles to overcome. A lot of fears and anxieties. Who I don't think is happy. But I do believe she has joy. You heard that right. She doesn't necessarily have happiness, but she does have joy. Seems weird, right? Uh, You may be asking, what's the difference? Or how can that be? Well, let's read the scripture from John. So John 15, 9 through 11. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that you may... That my joy, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. You notice in there, Jesus didn't promise us happiness. He promised us joy. And there's a big difference. Now, we would like to have both joy and happiness, but let's see what the difference is between the two. Joy versus happiness. Now, I, I was looking this up to, to doing some research. I had an idea. I, I feel like I know what joy is, but let's just... So I looked and I found on Compassion International um, this kind of description or difference between joy and happiness. It says, joy is an inner feeling. Happiness is an outward expression. Joy endures hardship and trials And connects with meaning and purpose. And I like that. I like that description. With Lola, for me, I see her purpose every day. I see that God placed her and me and my wife's life for a reason. God made us her parents for a reason. And in the 15 years she's been here, we've seen God move in many different ways, which has impacted us in in mighty ways. Now here's another part of that description. A person pursues happiness, but chooses joy. That's like the world choosing to pursue whatever makes them happy, which we see on a daily basis. If it makes you happy, you should do it. You do you. You only live once. And 
There's a lot of simple things going on in the world that just make people happy, and that's what they're going after. Rather than searching for the joy only found in Christ. It's kind of like the scripture from uh, uh, the scripture of the narrow gate, Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Um, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So back to the happiness versus joy. Happiness doesn't bring joy. And joy isn't the byproduct of happiness. Joy is something grander than happiness. And I remember hearing this quote from Jim Carrey, who has everything that would make him happy. And he said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and everything they ever dreamed of so they could see that's not the answer. You can chase followers and money all you want. Don't let me stop you, but I hope you realize beyond your basic needs, it won't do much. So he sees all the things that make you happy. They don't bring you joy. They don't bring you peace. They don't bring you contentment. And I know that I've, I know some very wealthy people who are happy, but from my perspective, they don't seem to have joy. And on the other hand, I've met a lot of people, know a lot of people, are friends with a lot of people who are living paycheck to paycheck who do have that joy. And the common denominator is those people who have that joy are believers. That joy is found in Jesus. Another thing about joy is joy is a fruit of the Spirit. When we find joy, it's infused with comfort and wrapped in peace, and it's an attitude of the heart and spirit. In Galatians 5, 22 through 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against things, against such things there is no law. So, in Paul's letter, he explains that we're justified by faith in Jesus Christ, and he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, which is how we're supposed to live as redeemed children of God. And, and when we read those fruits of the Spirit, there's nine. Um, there's nine attributes or characteristics that are included in the fruits of the Spirit. And they're called characteristics because they become traits of the one who follows Jesus in their life. And they're called fruit because it's a byproduct of the tree that they grow from. And in, that, in this case, it's Jesus. He's the vine, and we are the branches. And we learn that in John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So when we talk about the fruit of joy, which, you know, sort of the main point I'm trying to hammer home here, joy is a belief of the heart. It's an internal emotion that never changes regardless of your situation. When times get tough, which I've experienced, which Lola has experienced, we still have joy because we are children of God and our eternal life is secure. That's the one thing that I feel like Lola has security in is her future and her eternal life by believing in Jesus. A lot of things are up in the air here on earth for her. A lot of worries and fears, but that's the one thing she can count on 100%. That her eternal life is, it's sealed, it's good. 
Um, he will never leave me or forsake me. He'll never leave or forsake Lola. We have the joy of the Lord. Happiness, which everybody has experienced many times in their lives, it comes and it goes. I mean, if we just we look back at the podcast from last week about the Cowboys, uh, they brought me happiness in the 90s. Not so much this year or the last 28 years. So I may find happiness in sports teams and different bands, music, and movies and material possessions, but I won't find joy in any of those. Joy is within me. It's in Lola internally because we have the love of Christ. And the most amazing thing is it doesn't change when times get tough. Luckily, this joy I am speaking of, even though it is internal, it's something you can see in the lives of people who have it. It's a major asset we can use uh, to share the gospel just by living as children of God. So circling around to uh, these girls that Lola has met, whom God has placed in her life, she can use that joy to reach them. She can use her struggles, uh, meaning the obstacles that she must go through in her life, to show that she still has joy when many other people would crumble under the pressure and things that she's had to go through. And they would be miserable and, and hurt, but they can still see she has joy. And even though I said it earlier that I wouldn't consider Lola a happy girl, she, do, she still does bring me happiness. And I love her to death just for her being her. She's funny and quirky. Uh, she's an individual. You never know what she's going to say, which is a little scary at sometimes. Literally, she says crazy things all the time. And what's funny is the other day I said to Lauren, because she has these like catchphrases that she says and like she repeats them throughout the day. <laughs> And, and I said to Lauren, I'm like, do you think Lola has some, some form of Tourette's? And I was kind of half joking. And Lauren said to me, you know what's weird is the other day Lola came up to me and said, I think I may have Tourette's. <laughs> it's funny. Um, she has things that she says, like I said many times a day, like she'll just, she has songs that she sings about our dog, Millie. So she goes, Millie Tilly Mac. And she'll just sing that throughout the day. Or she'll say... Millie eats poop just randomly for no reason. She, I, if you've been around her, you've probably heard the I ain't you be that type of thing. And she also, um, she has this new one that she's been doing that I thought she was saying milk bone, milk bone, milk bone, milk bone, right? Because it's a dog and milk bone, something you give it. But she told me last night, no, it's mip bone, mip. And I was like, what? And she was like, what? thinking that I'm the biggest idiot in the world because I didn't know that she's making up a word. It's a whole thing. That's how she is. And it's fun and it's funny. And we laughed and, but it's, you know, it's different, but outside of her weird catchphrases, I'm excited for what God is doing in her life and, and what he has in store for her. Cause I know she's going to do great things through him. So that's kind of what I have for you today little different than last week's angry, frustrated rant and swearing off of the Cowboys, which I still am. I'm still taking a year off. I'm still done with the Cowboys, just saying. Uh, I haven't watched any football since, trust me. Um, so, yeah. 
That's what I have. I hope you got something from this, and uh, you have a good one. See you next time.